Good morning, everyone. I pray that this message finds you all well. Let us all open with a word of prayer to prepare our hearts and our minds. Father in heaven, we come before your holy presence, thanking you once again for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you, Father, once again for just your precious word, which edifies, which glorifies, which gives us life, which nourishes our soul, Father. We pray that you open up our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit that you may speak to us and show us what it is you want us to know about you today, Father. We thank you once again for this day. Clear us of all distractions, Father. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message is The Way to Heaven. The law of mathematics is an example of something that stays constant, regardless of time or location. Many people accept these certainties without questions. However, when the topic of a spiritual absolute arises, many people question or outright reject it. Unfortunately, one of the spiritual absolutes people reject is when Jesus said that he is the only way to heaven. Now, most of the time, when we hear about Jesus speaking, you know, when we read about Jesus speaking to others, we think that he only spoke to large crowds. But if you read the New Testament, here is what you will discover. Some of the most important things Jesus said, he said, he said it to only one person. Now one might think, well, why wouldn't he have spoken this important message to an entire crowd if it was so important? Well, in his infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Jesus knew that the message would spread far and wide. Now the following section of scripture I will be reading from is by far one of the most important things Jesus said. Probably the most important thing. Uh, but we all know that everything Jesus said was important. But I think this is probably the most important thing that Jesus said. And everyone needs to hear and understand the truth is, is what he said to this particular person is his explanation of how anyone can get to heaven. It's not only for us to hear, but to understand. Because the truth is, what Jesus said to this particular person was his explanation and the only explanation of how anyone and everyone can get to heaven. I think by now you know who I'm referring to. 
and what the particular conversation Jesus had with this person. So again, how does a person get to heaven? What is the way? In this particular section of scripture, I would like to read, and please follow along, the explanation that Jesus gave. This is a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Let us all turn to John chapter 3, and I will be reading from verses 1 through 17. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now you might be saying, what does this have to do with getting to heaven? Well, let's talk about first and identify who Nicodemus was. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a teacher of the truth. He would be considered a good man because he was not only a teacher, but he believed in Old Testament scripture. He attended all the ceremonies, most likely, and he was a keeper of the law. Not only was he a teacher, but he demonstrated this by living the life he lived. Nowhere does Jesus condemn or mock him. He, being a Pharisee, stuck to the law. And he probably only ate certain things. He probably tithed his income. 
and on the Sabbath he was probably in the synagogue, teaching and preaching the word. He was a man that was probably honest, good-hearted, helped others. Everything seemed right about this man. I think we would all agree. So even though this man, whose life was quote-unquote so right, Jesus said to him, except one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what does this all mean? Well, you might be telling yourself right now, well, I'm a good person, right? And you may start rationalizing and saying, well, I'm going to heaven because I don't do the following things. Or, I am going to heaven because I do the following things. And surely, God is a God of love, and he will take me in after I die. So I'm not really worried about it. Well, let me remind you of something. If you believe this, you're mistaken. Let us turn to Philippians chapter 3, and I'll be reading from verses 4 through 7. Philippians 3, 4 through 7 says, and this is Paul speaking, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ." Paul says this concerning his own life. Paul came to the conclusion that none of this worked. He would not be made acceptable in God's eyes due to his conduct or anything else that he did. Even though he was committed to being a Pharisee and following the law meticulously, it would not work. And he discovered this the hard way when God struck him down on the road to Damascus. And we see that in Acts chapter 9. God struck him down. God spoke to him and transformed his life and made him into probably the greatest missionary that lived. So again, what is it about the new birth? What is it about being born again? Why does Jesus say in Verse 7 of John 3, John chapter 3, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Well, Jesus proceeds with an explanation as to why one must be born again. <clears throat> when Jesus uses the term born again, it can also be translated to or as born from above. Now, the Greek word here is genau which is a derivative of genos, which means to procreate, or to regenerate, to bear, to beget, to be born, to bring forth, to conceive or be delivered of. In the same chapter, 
um, further down in the chapter, John 3, in verse 31, we see that John the Baptist um, states that he who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. When we were born, we were born physically and earthly, and we all have physical and earthly limitations. However, when we are born again, we are born from above. It is the work of God in our life. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus did to explain to this brilliant Pharisee, who was a sincere and a good man, well, he used the illustrations of being born of water and the Spirit. Now, if we look again at John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus here was referring to not literal water here, but to the need for cleansing. When water is used figuratively in the Old Testament, it refers to renewal or spiritual cleansing especially when used in conjunction with spirit, or the word spirit. Thus, Jesus made reference to the spiritual washing or purification of the soul, accomplished only by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God at the moment of salvation, which is required for belonging to the kingdom. And we also see that in a physical birth, A child is born, but something is going on spiritually in a person when they're born from above. Remember, he's not talking about baptism here, right? Because he, um, we see that later on um, in John, he, he delivers his great commission. We also see that in, in Matthew and, and the other Gospels. Here he was not talking about baptizing. There, we remember, we were not they were not baptizing in order to get people saved. That did not make them saved. A person is baptized not as a means of accepting and receiving the grace of God, but as evidence that they have already received the grace of God. They have already been born again. Now, this, the, the distinction here between the earthly and physical birth is that Jesus tells Nicodemus, to not be amazed at this, right? We see that in verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. But how can a person be born of the Spirit from above? We understand the physical birth. But when Jesus brings up the idea of a spiritual birth, it was a shock to Nicodemus. Jesus went from the physical to the spiritual realm, and he was talking about the kind of person God wants Nicodemus to be, and the kind of person God can only make him to be. Now we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, <clears throat> which reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This is a born-again experience. This is one's life is transformed and places them in a relationship with God. We have an inheritance that cannot be taken away and is being reserved for us in heaven. It's talking about how we, we, we are born again, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit. He takes the Word of God, He shows us the truth about ourselves, and by His Spirit brings about a new life in us. Now someone might still say, well, wait a minute, I know that my conduct must be, must be acceptable to God. I'm living a good life, right? I mean, we find and we come across people that try to justify their behavior, try to justify themselves. But one thing we must not forget is that we all have a sinful nature. When you came into the world, you came with a sinful nature. And if you do not believe me, ask your parents or ask your siblings. They will tell you how rebellious you were as a kid or even as an adult. You didn't have to be taught how to be sinful. But you did have to be taught how to be kind, respectful, and loving to one another. When Adam sinned in the garden, and Adam here represented the entire human race, every person thereafter was born with a sinful nature. And we see that in Romans chapter 5, 5 verse 12, where it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death, death spread to all men, because all sinned. And that is why a child acts the way they act. And that is why people still act the way they act, whether they be 7 years old or 17 or even 70 years old, until God transforms their life. Now, you and I can fix up the outside. Right? We can dress up the facade. We can do some good work so we can donate. We can tithe. But all these things do not transform your inside. Your sinful nature is what makes us lost. What makes you lost is not whether you use profanities or, or, or you get drunk. I mean, of course, these are two extreme examples. And that doesn't help, right? I mean, that doesn't help at all. But what makes you lost is that sinful nature inside of you. It is being away from God. It is that rebellious nature that must be dealt with sooner or later. The only person who can deal with your nature is God himself. So when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again, you must also have a transformation. It is not what you do, but what God, through His Holy Spirit, will do through you. So what happens when a person is born again? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into your life to abide with you, as the Scripture says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you 
and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. We see in Romans 8, and Paul says this to make it extremely clear, in Romans 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. A person who lives for themselves apart from God, not, not being born again, is set on a pattern of death and sin and cannot live a righteous, holy life with God. God hates sin. And the same God who hates sin is willing to forgive you and give you a new nature. Being born again. And it is through that rebirth, through that being born again, is how we have a new nature. We have a desire to obey God. And if you don't obey Him, if you're a believer, it bothers you. It convicts you. You want to do what is right. You want to read the Word. You want to pray to God. You get out of fellowship with God. The Spirit of God I'm sorry, if you get out of fellowship with God, the Spirit of God makes you uncomfortable, right? Some people might say that before they became a Christian or became a believer, they got along with their conscience better than they do now. The reason they say that is because they probably did other things to kind of calm down their, calm their conscience, right? In order to deal with it. However, once the Spirit of God comes into your life and you get out of His will, God brings it to the surface to remind you that you are acting like someone you're not anymore. And that is how God guides us and He leads us. I think a good illustration here of the change that takes place in us when we are born again is probably a caterpillar, right? Now, what are the characteristics of a caterpillar, right? They're not that pretty. They're small. They almost look somewhat ugly. You know, they crawl around. They crawl very slowly. And the slightest thing bothers them, right? A drop of, a drop of water, maybe the size of a, a, a dime, might bother it and force the caterpillar to, caterpillar to have to go around, or even a small pebble that gets in his way probably bothers it and it has to go around. Everything, everything is a burden for this caterpillar to travel from here to there, from one part of a leaf to another. It might seem like an eternity. Well, one day, that caterpillar crawls up a leaf, even a, a branch, even a tree. And then very slowly, you see that it starts to weave this tomb, a cocoon, around itself. You may see it. I've seen them. 
You might have seen them in you know, walking through a park or a forest. You look at it and you, you see, wow, this must be dead, right? It looks like this hardened cocoon, this tomb that it's that this caterpillar is in. But then the next time you, you walk by, you notice that this this tomb, this cocoon has been broken open. And nothing's in there. Well, that caterpillar died to its own way of life. And now it's a beautiful, bright butterfly. There's a whole new life. It's no longer crawling and creeping and struggling to, to, to get from one place to another. But now it's free. It's flying from here and there. Some might even say that the butterfly, butterfly is soaring. No matter how long you have been creeping in sin, all of this can be reversed. Deep down, you don't have that peace with God. Something is missing. It's that place that God created for you and Him inside of you is empty. You almost become a slave to the sin. My friends, don't you want to be free? The moment you accept the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior, the new birth experience begins. You can go from the caterpillar living to butterfly living. Now that change is not instant. Remember, the caterpillar died and time went by before it became a butterfly. But during that period, the caterpillar was slowly dying to its own life and transformed into a new life, a new cre creature, a new creation. I assure you that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That is what Jesus said to a man who was a good man and did good deeds and lived a good life. So why is it necessary to be born again, to be transformed? Again, as we saw in Romans 8, verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual, spiritually minded is life and peace. A person who has his mind set on the flesh is death. A person who lives for themselves does not have the ability to live a holy life. If you don't have Jesus living inside of you through the Holy Spirit, you are lost. Remember, to be born again is a birth beyond. It is a spiritual birth. You have a new nature. Now, it doesn't mean you won't sin. right? How many of us, when we became believers... that this Christian walk, this, this life, got easier for us. No. And how many of you can actually sit there and not sin for five minutes? It's impossible. You're oriented to think, to, to think that you're a sinner. We are not sinners saved by grace. Let us stop thinking that way. We are saints saved by the grace of God. And it is for by grace we have been saved. It's not by us. 
Not by any of the works that we do, but it's all from God. Now as I close, Nicodemus asked Jesus again. We see that in, in verse 4. How can these things be? How can a man be born when he is old? Healing was a matter of faith and obedience to God. And in the same way, the new birth is the work of God in order to be saved and to walk with God. It is by faith and obedience. So my friends, how can you get to heaven? It is not by your performance, nor your abilities, nor your good works, or even your social status. The only way to heaven is by accepting the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for your sins and eternal life will be yours today and forevermore. With that kind of acceptance of Jesus in your heart, your life will change as you will have a new desire to please Him. And remember, as I close with this, Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And my prayer to you is that you do not wait that you accept the gift that God has given us. His Son, Jesus Christ, who we sent to die for our sins. And for those who believe in Him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is my prayer to you and for us all. May God bless you. May the Lord keep you.